According to the World Health Organization, it is estimated that 14% 10 to 19 year olds experience mental health conditions. Yet, these remain largely unrecognized and untreated. With such a huge need, the way young people are accessing mental health support is definitely changing rapidly. The digital space, yes, people are creating more safe spaces online to voice out their issues. But there are complexities with these newer online models of accessing help, and the question of who young people trust to help them is a big one. When you are young, it's a bit difficult to trust. What are the new ways young people get help with their mental health, and what can we learn from them when it comes to their new way of seeing the world? Hi, I am Rini Sinha and welcome to Sparks of Care podcast, local action catalyzing global change in mental health. I'm part of the team behind Ember, an initiative by the SHM Foundation that works with mental health initiatives in low resource settings so that they can grow and thrive. In this series, I speak with incredible people working at the forefront of mental health care and advocacy. We are going to discuss some of the most pressing topics in this field. This podcast has discussions of traumatic events including depression, suicide, abuse and homophobia. Today, I'm speaking to three young people from South Africa, Pretoria. My name is Desmond Dau. I'm 28 years of age. Hi guys, my name is Kile and I'm 26 years old. My name is Given, currently 20 years of age. These three friends are all mentors for Project Kuluma. a social support program in South Africa for young people living with HIV. Our Kuluma groups they run for 3 months and what we do is that we enroll you into a group of about 15 participants and two facilitators. So after that 3 months you get to choose or get to be selected to be a mentor. We use an app called Rocketjet. So Rocketjet is more like WhatsApp it's with just less features what we do is that we keep things confidential so we would keep you anonymous you would give us a nickname that you would prefer to use in our groups and then we enroll you using that that nickname it will be a social space as much as it is an educational space you'd share issues that you come across as a young person things that affect your health from your medication to your day to day life as someone who's positive sometimes running these groups as a facilitator or a mentor it gets a little bit hard because you get to hear different stories which some might be triggering to you or some might be a little bit sensitive or upsetting in a way so you have to have a strong heart to be a facilitator and oversee those conversation and also push engagement with those young people that will be talking with in those groups there's always someone you can talk to i think most of our participants would actually say our space is more like a home I asked them about their childhood growing up in South Africa. This is given. Growing up was a roller coaster if I may put it. I had those very nice happy moments, but however, having a lot of tension in the household, having a lot of moments when nobody speaks to each other, then that's what actually affected me emotionally a lot. Around 15% of young women aged 15 to 24 and 5% of men in South Africa are HIV positive. Given shared with us how he discovered his status. So I think I was around 8 when I asked my mother when I'm going to stop drinking my meds. Then she told me that oh no you're going to stop when you're 12. So I'm like okay that means when I'm 12 I'm going to stop drinking my meds. Then when I was about 10 or 11 
I took out one of the info sheets inside the capsule. I quickly skimmed through it to understand what these pills are. Then the three letters which popped out actually when I was skimming through it were HIV. I, I didn't know how to react actually. I can even see those images vividly in my head, standing outside with that info sheet in my hand. I think they only came out to tell me, I think three to four years later when I was about 13, 14 when I started my high school in grade 8. I think from that year I started having a lot of mental breakdown, mental challenges or a bit of issues with myself. started questioning why I started having all those questions. After my parents disclosed, it wasn't, there, was, there wasn't any further support. It was like, disclose, we move on. They didn't ask me how you're doing, how you're taking your meds. It, it was just move on. Given, Desmond and Kelly also spoke to us about how the Kuluma project was really important in giving them a space to be. For me, I've never had a place to go to whenever I felt uh, stressed or I needed a bit of uh, help in terms of my mental health or in terms of support. So everything that uh, was happening, I had to deal with it by myself until like the Kuma project. Kuma program is one of the greatest ones, which I think provides sufficient support to young people who are living with HIV. Compared to my experience, or a lot of young people's experience that they had with their hospital counselors. Because in the counseling room, we just sit there, we speak about the same things that we already know, uh, using condoms, uh, understanding your viral load, knowing what that is. So having support from someone who's in your shoes, someone who's going through the same things or has gone through the same things that you have went through, I think that's the type of greater support. and. I think if there is a common factor amongst us, it initiates actually the building of trust. I wanted to find out more about the wider struggles young people face growing up in South Africa. Honestly speaking, in our time now, I think firstly it's financial stability or money or finance or success. So they all stress about making it big. They all put so much pressure on themselves on being very successful at a young age and forgetting how to get there. I think they want to get very successful at a young age in your early teens. And then that leads to them, if they don't reach those huge success goals, then they have mental breakdowns. They have stresses, they beat themselves up. And a big factor in this seems to be social media. I agree that uh, social media actually does influence us in a negative way, as much as it does in a positive way, because you'd see an 18-year-old driving a Lamborghini, and here you are, you are a 27-year-old or a 28-year-old, you don't even have a car. And now you are kind of like, what, what am I doing with my, with my life if there's an 18-year-old who's driving a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? Now you are stressing yourself about things that out of reach at this moment in time. But of course, things may not be as they appear on social media. There's a huge difference between the digital world and the real world. So people can then say something on social media and then do something else or the direct opposite of whatever it is in real world. The, the disconnect is exactly there, that people would say one thing on social media, people would advocate for mental health, people would advocate for people speaking up and creating safe spaces, but in the real life, it's something totally different. But this disconnect can potentially be quite helpful. No matter how bad your day is, if someone was to ask you right now, Desmond, how are you doing? I'm going to say, I'm good, I'm okay. 
even though I know that I'm not okay. But as soon as I'm in a good private space, the first thing I'll do is I'll open my phone and maybe go to TikTok, find a video that motivates me to do something about my life, or maybe go to Facebook and read about mental health or something that has to do with mental health. Social media and technology play a complex role in the mental health of young people. While social media can have damaging effects on mental health, the potential for anonymity in such digital spaces can help people feel safer to open up, as Kelly explains. Things have changed quite a lot. You can text someone on WhatsApp and can chat, and they've made spaces that are very anonymous for people. If you don't want to be known in case of being outed out because of the difficulties you're experiencing. But let's say for someone who prefers the face-to-face consultation or what, it's still a bit hard. You find people that say, I went to the hospital and then I'm on the waiting list to see a psychologist or I spoke to my church leader and they then preached about my problem at church. So I think With that regard, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. At the heart of a lot of this seems to be the question of whom to trust. But why do anonymous digital spaces sometimes feel safer for young people to turn to for support than friends or family? Here's what Desmond has to say. I think it's something that we most young people do regularly because they usually say uh, support doesn't always come from familiar faces. So it means that you won't get support from your close friends or your parents or anyone in your family. But you are most definitely going to find help from a stranger, someone who knows nothing about you. Someone who just read your story, shout and say, no, you know what, man, I got you. Talk to me, let's talk and see how I can help. If you were to distance yourself from certain spaces, as you get back to those spaces, you just don't feel at home anymore. So it's always that thing that we want to always be there in order for us to feel like we belong. But now I think it's much better when you're sharing with people whom you are close with and people who actually relate to uh, your, your, your story or your life, who know where you come from and some of the challenges that you came across and how you actually deal with certain problems so that they give you a guidance of some sort. I was just reflecting on on your personal journeys and it just made me realize that all three of you were probably in school or in high school when you started facing these challenges. What kind of a role can a school play when it comes to providing this kind of support? And I would urge you to think about if that was an option that you would have accessed at that point. Was it something that felt like a safe space to you? Oh, okay, this is a tricky one because when you were asking, when you were asking the question, I thought, yes, maybe a school counselor and then maybe a mentor. But then you went on and said, is this something you would have accessed yourself? And my answer was an immediate no. We teenagers at the moment, a lot is going on. You really don't know who to trust and who not to trust. So... Personally, I wouldn't have accessed those services because I was new and the issue of trust as well. And also, if other kids are not accessing those services and you go and access them, you look like the odd child out. And at that point, you really want to fit in. So you don't want to look like the odd one out. I asked each of them what they do to unwind 
and what helps improve their well-being for me i think the only thing that that makes me function a whole lot better is going to the gym after going to work i think we've all seen desmond's dumbbells and the weights that he lifts so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, i i i'll prefer to to go to the gym if i ever if i i feel depressed stressed out or but with young people is that uh, these days we are more advanced so we tend to find new ways of dealing with our mental health because if you were to follow tiktok you'd see others would go on painting dates others would go on reading dates others they do your rainbow picnics others they would do move uh, tattoos and like so i think we find we are now in a in a place whereby we find creative ways of benefiting our mental health so i think for now young people actually tend to relate more to music i think they tend to find music as a place to go to when they're not feeling well if i tell you that you can have all the money in the world that you like and you have to come up with an idea of any tool or any app or a space uh, which would which would cater to providing support for mental health specifically to young people what would that idea be i think one thing i would say is i would try by all means to build up a creative space because i think where young people are most creative it's where they find comfort where we are um, like if you were to take this is not tiktok it's some sort of therapy for most young people whenever they are stressed whenever they feel like they need to share some things they would simply go to tiktok and go live or say share a video of some sort and speak about whatever it is that that's what so just have a, a creative space but also in that creative space i would also have separate rooms whereby you can have intimate conversations with certain people about certain problems that have to do with your mental health i think with me with all the money in the world we would definitely take this month's idea we would merge technology with a physical component make it a psychosocial space for young people and then would have various go to facilities in different locations that are run by young people to offer peer to peer support also have a creative side space where young people can come and paint they can come and dance they can come and do their sports because also uh, the sports element has died in our townships as well so anything to keep the youth more active so it would be nice like to revive sports to revive art but also not forgetting the peer to peer support element It seems that a hybrid model, one that exists both in the digital space and the real world, might be the most successful. For Desmond, the Kuruma project has vanished to be both. I personally have met my best friends from the groups. I think back in the days, I think back in 2014, yeah, it was back in 2014 I met my best friend. That's when I met him. I met him within the groups and when the groups were closing and we opted to be mentors and then we got to meet in person and I was like, "No man, actually there was a person in the group by this name and I want to find that person. We had this uh, such a strong bond within those groups and now our friendship has been great since then. So I think our space we can I can describe as our space as a home and everyone in in those groups is part of my family, a family that I've created myself. Thanks a lot Kelly Desmond and Given for taking the time out to speak with me. You can find out more about their work with the Kuluma project on the SHM Foundation website. 
A huge thank you to Josh and Chana for the sound design and production support and to Archie Henderson for our theme music. And to you all, my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, let's keep the sparks of care alive. <laughs>